0: you all are just joining to this this discord and or listening to this recording later this is again the gamify everything podcast it's uh, produced by gamify gamify is a new ido platform for launching companies in uh, blockchain gaming the metaverse or esports so if you have seen on repeat.gg there's a tournament running now um, go there to, to be a part of that tournament. There's uh, a nice prize there. There's also the last couple of hours in for the Gleam competition for a chance to win a part of $40,000 worth of cryptocurrency. So tomorrow there is the IDO launch. If everyone, uh, if you're just now hearing this, you want to go check out www.gamify.gg for that information. But yeah. Matt, I, I understand that 100%. That was one of the things that I got concerned about, you know, trying to even think about wanting to do pro, and I've never been anything close to pro. You know, the closest thing for that was, like, I got really excited about this game called Knockout City. But I've always been concerned about, like, playing a game so much that it it kind of saps all of the joy out of playing. Exactly. I've actually played Knockout City a little bit. Not that much, but I'm familiar with the game. It's like um, when you do something for fun so much, it's it's – you can't do something for fun for that long until it gets boring. I feel like you just burn out out of it. So, that, have I'm you have you stopped playing CSGO altogether, or is it just like smaller pieces? What is that like for you today? So, at the moment, I've restarted doing my YouTube channel again. I still have a, a massive great success on YouTube of
1: 400,000 subscribers, and I feel like I owe it to them to still make the videos that they subscribed for. Mm-hmm. and. Um I've recently started this journey where I am trying to actually get good at the game. As I said before, I wasn't really a competitive player. And I want to give that a shot because it, it involves me actually strategizing my plays, thinking a different way about the game. And it's actually fun for me to learn to play that way. And I want to share that journey on my YouTube channel with my audience because I don't want to desert it. I've been um, I've not been that active on my YouTube channel. And I want to pick it back up because I do still have a passion for making
0: content. Okay, so you, you're thinking that if you kind of shift away from being just kind of a purely content creator to more of a, a content creator as a a um, up-and-coming professional, that that would, might breathe new life back into the game for you? Well, not really an up-and-coming professional. I just
1: want to still make the videos while not really stressing about the content too much. I just play like one or two games a day, mm-hmm. and I show my progression of it okay i think it's, it's it's uh it's a fun way for me to um balance it with my other projects going on in my life i have an hour or two to spare on this on my youtube video and um yeah i still think it's that's a, a fun way to still make videos
0: well best of so, luck with you um, on that you. you're definitely going to be subscribing as well because i want to see that journey
1: thank you i think uh what, what the thing was i did before was like i just played non-stop all day and i just grabbed the best clips from those videos and put it into a video but right now i'm just playing like one or two games Mm -hmm. and i edit those up for one video so it's like a different style of content and i think this suits me better at the moment
0: that makes sense have you seen this kind of recent swell of uh, i won't call it hatred uh shade from the gaming community about nfts you know ubisoft and a handful of other games uh, discord decided that they, they were going to basically backpedal on their nft and, and metaverse plans yeah i've seen it a bit and honestly i disagree with it i understand the point about ethereum and the gas fees how it's like bad for the environment and stuff but yeah, web3 is the way the internet's going regardless if you want it or not and i get it some
2: changes are too big for people to grasp onto but All of these small tweaks that are happening right now from all the big corporations, they're all going to lead up to it happening anyway. So you're kind of disagreeing with something that is going to be the future, at least in my opinion. So why be a
1: little, I don't know, why why disagree with it and hate about it? Like, it's going to happen
0: regardless. Might as well read in on it and see the positive things about it because everybody's moving this way. I agree. I think it would be just like you know trying to argue whether or not the internet <laughs> is going to be you know around for twenty years, and, and people did that twenty years ago. Here we are having this conversation on the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, same thing happened with Bitcoin. I mean, this this is a point being brought up around NFTs quite a lot.
1: Um, people in twenty sixteen were like, "Oh, Bitcoin, yeah, it's blah blah, blah. It's, it's this bubble or whatever." Uh, same thing for NFTs, super early. I honestly think like. DeFi, um, Gamify, <laughs> that's funny because this is called Gamify, but like the, the, the centralized gamification of, of of the way we're, we're headed, like it's going to be the future because people that are playing games would want to own, they want to have the actual ownership of their, their games and are like items in video games, for example. Like you would want to own this stuff instead of just having it in a centralized place. It only makes sense.
0: I agree. You know, I've been playing video games a long time now, and uh, you know, the games that I enjoyed as a kid, uh, even you know, the earlier days of of the internet for gaming, so 2004, 2005, like most of those games aren't running anymore, or at least the servers aren't. So, you know, hypothetically, like microtransactions didn't necessarily exist back in 2005 in in a large way. But for any money that you've put into games over the last decade or two, like most of that stuff is gone. Any skins you bought, especially you know, console any skins or or badges or whatever, whatever boost you've purchased, like it only lives within the ecosystem of a game. And only so long as the publisher is supporting that title, that server is still running. Yeah, exactly. Like you're paying for a set for an item to be put on a centralized
1: server and it, the owners could just magically zap it away at any given time. If I want to, if I buy something with my money, I want to be able to put it on my on my cold wallet, mm-hmm. for example, and have it safe because I bought this, this is my item. I now am the actual owner because I own it on my ledger or treasure or whatever you may store your crypto on. And I think that is very, very, um, powerful. What what games did you, uh, play when, uh, when around the two 2014, 15
0: era? Halo. Uh, Yeah. Or 2005. Uh, Halo. I remember when Halo two came out, I was in college. I actually skipped an entire week of school just to sit in the lobby in the dorm room and like beat the game in a week. (laughs) didn't make the best grades that that semester but man i had a ton of fun playing halo halo 2 i missed out on halo i was big on um playing games such as habo hotel much like runescape i don't know how popular it is in america but um around here in
2: europe habo hotel was a pretty big thing um much like runescape like just a browser-based game where you collect items and uh you can trade with people. Like, RuneScape was more of an RPG. Hotel mm-hmm. was more of a social
1: game, like Club Penguin.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is something that really
1: inspired me as well to build the game that we're building right now, which is Frog Party, my own NFT project. It's, um, like, these games were so fun to me because have you played Have you played RuneScape or
2: any <laughs> of those games?
0: I put way too much time into RuneScape and an, un- an embarrassing amount of time. And I, I, even more embarrassingly, I also lost all of it because I... I I was one of those, you know. I was a kid. I was naive, like, "Oh, you're gonna upgrade my armor? Yeah, here, here's my information." Like, I got social engineered and lost all my stuff. Oh, no. So, I, but you, it's cool when you learn that early, right? Like, I don't know yeah, if anybody's like life selling life. off their Runescape accounts right now for Ethereum. So, but you know, the, the stakes were low then; they're much higher now.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a life lesson. I've I've been scammed on those games as well. Like, I, I just want. I- I saw that there was nothing really like that in in the NFT space. Like it's a social place. It's like when, when I got on those games when I was younger, I, I'd always check my friends list. I'd check if my favorite people are online, see what they're up to. I'd want to visit them, check out on what they're doing, collect items, trade them, sell them, like grind the levels up. Like mm-hmm. that's exactly our vision for uh, Frog Party as well. Because we just want to create that place for all uh, so we're Solana based because of the, um, the the gamification we're doing to the game and the transactions being low. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we could have chose for like Ethereum second layer on Immutable X, but we chose for Solana because we wanted to be. Um, we thought that was the better bet, and just that that bringing that gamification to um, a social MMO, I hadn't seen I hadn't seen it before in a in a simple way.
2: So. That's what we chose to do. What we did with our uh, with our NFT, because my my cousins are actually on the project. They are um, um they're an indie game dev uh, studio. Uh-huh. What we call it. Yeah, we just make games together. One of my
1: cousins does pixel art, and one of my cousins does the Unity development. Mm-hmm. And they both set up the game. I was like, you know what? Uh, I think it would be so cool to just to just um make a game with them and. Get the support from the Solana community or like the NFT community to, uh, to show support for the game as well. And because the, the NFT community is so like supportive of whatever you're doing, it was definitely the right option to, uh, to go with this. We found more people to help with the team, to, um, to do the blockchain set of things. And it's just been, uh, it's been a roller coaster, but we're getting there. And it's a lot of
0: fun working on it. That's awesome. Definitely want to hear more about your project and, and you know, the inspiration for it, if you can describe it for, for the audience. But I want to take a quick break. If anyone has any questions, you're joining us either on Discord stage uh, through the, the audio chat, or if you're on LinkedIn, feel free to raise your hand if you'd like to be uh, promoted to speaker so you can ask your question here live. If you're only on LinkedIn, you're welcome to post the question in the chat. Uh, I'm here on Restream, so I can see those questions. I'll get those asked for you as well. And then if you'd like to join us from LinkedIn, click on that link I just posted in the chat so you can join us over here. In the meantime, Matt, can you talk a little bit more about, uh, is it Frog Party? Is it, I'm saying that correctly?
1: Yes, yes. Our game is called Frog Party.
0: Okay. Can you tell us a little bit more about the inspiration for that?
1: Yeah, so um, as I said, games such as Club Penguin, I mean, I wasn't a big Club Penguin player, but I can only imagine how big the game was as a social um, social MMO. Um, we have games such as RuneScape. It's like kind of like RuneScape mixed with Habbo Hotel, mixed with Club Penguin, with Pokemon vibes, and old retro, um, like, just the retro vibes. Zelda, all those um, Game Boy, Nintendo 64 games. And the whole idea came from um,
2: me wanting to bring different... Collections um, from the NFT community into one place because what I see is that all of all of the community kind of happens on either Twitter or Discord, mm-hmm. but there's not really a fun way to socialize with people. And even and even though Discord is a pretty nice way to do so, um, like Discord and Twitter are often problems for people who want to reach someone. Who's, who is quite unreachable say someone has like 30,000 followers on Twitter and is a is a big face in the nft community like you that's not someone you you can get uh, attention from but what if you're walking around in the game
1: and that person is walking around in the game with their character it would be it's just like a better way to um, socialize I thought that that was just a, a great way to bring communities together and bring people together in a fun
0: way you said you've got tremendous support from Solana I I agree that you know communities are really kind of what make NFTs thrive, and and really the same thing for gaming, right? And I think there's a, a strong correlation between uh, you know what's happening in the NFT space and the gaming industry. So it's it's almost ironic that you have gamers so opposed to kind of the intersection of the two, right? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. And then you, you said your cousins are are indie devs. I, I worked in the indie space for seven years, where I you know got into esports. Uh, are are you seeing a lot more other types of indie developers step up to that cuz i remember when i i started like evangelizing you know blockchain and and crypto to indie developers in like 2016 and a lot of them were objecting to it and actually when i talk to indie developers today i still hear a lot of people saying like they don't want to mess with nfts what's your been experience been with solana i guess it's that's maybe outside of solana cuz i guess anybody who's in that space wants to to build games yeah
1: so your question is like what my what my opinion is on like India does
0: of being opposed to NFTs That's right um, I think uh,
1: it's it's closed-mindedness. people should open themselves up to actually learn about it and then make a, make a judgment about it because if if your only point about NFTs is it's bad for the environment, I somewhat agree it's just not the best thing. Ethereum gas fees are tragic. Mm-hmm. Nobody nobody likes Ethereum gas fees. That's <laughs> so that's a point we can all agree on. But if you look at Solana, it's yeah, your point's defeated. And uh there's there's nothing really bad about it. Like it's once you understand how loving this community is and how much they can actually help you, not just monetarily, like the actual genuine support feedback and connections you can make through communities like this and once you actually experience it and open yourself up to um to actually like if you allow yourself to experience it like it's fine it isn't great but a lot of people just say what other people say (laughs) right and they don't really they don't really have their own opinion i mean it is what it is a lot of people like that nowadays
0: yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, first of all, I, I did send you, uh, I approved your request to speak. If you'd like to join the stage and ask Matt a question. No, you're, you're right. I, you know, I've been in this space 10 years and, and every bit of it. I've heard, heard people like bash Bitcoin and blockchain who have really no understanding of what it does. And, and yeah, you're right. Like Ethereum is expensive and bad for the ecosystem. And, uh, you know, proof of work is, but the ecosystem has evolved over time, right? There's different types of, of proofs that are in the ecosystem that give you an alternative that isn't as expensive or, or you know, so energy um, dependent. Yeah. It's, so we'll see, hopefully, you know, gamers will come along quickly. I, I think it's, the other issue is most of them see it as a cash grab, like, you know, I'm sure you're familiar with microtransactions and, and the overuse of microtransactions and, and I don't know if that's ruined any games that, that you've played in the past, but I've seen it destroy some games. Like, I don't know if you remember that game, uh, Evolve. It was like one versus four. I haven't. I don't know what that is. Uh, That game is like, I don't know, almost six or seven years old now. Like, basically, imagine if you have three people playing or four people playing. One person is a boss, giant monster, and then the other three are all on the same team to defeat the boss. So, like, throughout the game, like, the one character who's the boss can go, like, eat animals and stuff and like level up and armor up. And then like each of the three players are trying to defeat that person before it levels up three times, because each time it levels up, it becomes harder to defeat, like harder to kill, right? But what the, the publisher did basically was like segment off like weapons and maps through microtransactions to where they, they basically like segmented the community to the point where you couldn't get into the lobby and find the people to play that you wanted to play because everyone wasn't buying the same maps. Does that make sense?
1: Uh I don't know. I'm I'm just really unfamiliar
0: with the game, but you're you're basically like one versus three and then right, one one versus three. Um uh, but yeah. the, the the issue was that the publishers basically put too much like microtransactions into the, the business model right. of the game to where if everyone it was impossible for like them to reach critical mass because People had to pay too much money to to be able to experience the game across the different levels.
1: Wait, this is a paid game.
0: This that's is a, a paid, paid game. Paid game you you right, then, right. Like,
1: oh, that's that's just someone, someone in the marketing department or whatever has just been sleeping or whatever. Because it's just like if you want to scale the game, and the users are just getting real by microtransactions
2: here, there. No, nobody would, nobody would like that. No matter how good the game is, if every for every. Action you have to do is as a microtransaction,
0: that kind of annoying. Well, that's what people are saying about you know, and some of it's true, right? If you look at Axie Infinity, it takes what five thousand dollars to get into that because what each each Axie is a thousand dollars. You know, what yeah. average person has that? Only crypto enthusiasts are able to play that game.
1: Yeah, that is true, but I've also read uh, Axis Infinity white paper, and they have a they have like a lending system, where like you can work for someone else. Someone else can send you their axes, and you can fight with those, and you can play with those. So you don't actually need to have your own axes. Like you can have someone else send them yours, mm-hmm. send them theirs, and then you can play with those. Like there's always system in place for, um, or I feel like for a big company like Axie, they they've thought of they thought that out pretty well, mm-hmm. and I agree, like. Um, some like if you actually want to buy an actually like the, uh, it's just hard to get into because it's very
0: expensive. Not everybody could, but that is kind of like how the first people in get rewarded. So that's sure true. There's
1: a earning model,
0: definitely an incentive to be in there early. I just wonder yeah. if it if it damages the long term viability of a game. I, you know, I I played Super Mario Brothers uh, on the Switch and like Mario Kart. And my budget for a game is like maybe sixty bucks. Like sometimes yeah. I'm buying games like after they've been out for a year or so. So I just I can't see myself spending even a hundred dollars on a game, let alone thousands well, just to get in. I agree. I agree. And sixty bucks is still a lot for a game, but the ROI you expect on a game for sixty bucks is not any monetary value you just expect fun and That's you true. get the fun for 60 dollars quickly but if you look at axie affinity there's a direct roi and monetary gain if you are good and if you have the good axes and uh, then you can kind of calculate oh it takes me about two or three months to make back the money and from there on i'll have passively earn by playing this game mm-hmm. i think a big problem with these games is though that they're really not fun to play they're <laughs> play to earn but they're not play and earn which is fun. Like play and earn sounds more fun. Like play to earn sounds like a job. Right. Um, It just kind of throws me off. And I've been thinking about this for a while. Like there's a lot of play to earn games and I've been looking at Axie and it's not a game that I would play. I love games such as as just Mm shooters, But I don't expect that if if Counter-Strike, for example, was an NFT, I don't expect to make like My investment back in three months because the game is so much fun. I think there is a direct equation to how fun the game could be and how much money you can make from it. The more you can make from it, the lesser, the less fun it will be. Right. But I think there will be a happy medium somewhere in the future. (laughs) And that is something we're looking for as well. Like, we don't directly aim to be a play to earn game. We're more of a like social MMO that has a play-and-earn aspect to it. Like, we have a system where you can earn our token in-game and you can spend that to get new NFTs. But it's not necessarily something you have to do or something that is the main driver of our game because we're more focused on the social aspect of it. Okay. No, I agree with you. I think that makes sense, kind of having a happy medium. Anything that kind of optimizes for, for you earning, yeah. I think by definition, can't be fun. Or, or I, I, don't, I wouldn't want to do that. I, to your example earlier about like CSGO becoming a job, you want it to be something that you do to relax, not, oh man, there's a lot of opportunity yeah. and problems with that in the future. Exactly.
1: And we're just on the tip of the iceberg right now. It's been like, what, three years since NFTs have really like, I, don't, I mean, three years since, say they've, since they've been brought to light, three or four years, but mm-hmm. only really you've been taken off with the bored ape and the crypto punks attention in the last one and a half years.
0: Gamification of it really is something so new. We're way too early, and now we see big corporations actually NFT NFTifying <laughs> their in-game collectibles. Yeah. So I think I uh, think we're looking at something great here, and it's just the beginning. I think it's I think it's going to be great. Did you hear that GameStop is now getting into NFTs?
1: I'm not surprised, but I haven't uh, I haven't seen that. Maybe actually I've seen the I've seen a post of an article. I didn't read it though.
0: Yeah, they, they're not really all that forthcoming with what they're doing specifically. Um It's like they had like a landing page with a digital rendering of a Game Boy and it's like entering your information. um We'll get back to you later. I just, I, it's hard for me to see like how GameStop could leverage NFTs in a way that makes sense for gamers. And, and they also don't have a very good track record of being kind of gamer focused.
1: Yeah, I really don't know what's been going on with GameStop in the past few years. I'm also not from America, so it's not really something that I'm too connected with.
2: That's right. I don't know
0: of it, but do you, you have any major retailers um, over in the UK that that are doing something like that? Have you heard anything?
1: Um, no, I'm, I'm actually from the Netherlands.
0: Oh, sorry, my my mistake. My mistake. All right, it's
1: all right. Um, no, we don't. We don't really have like we have like Game Mania or something. I don't know. It's just like a store where you can sell your games and buy them, but
0: other than that, we have no, no real big brands that I can think of. I mean, they're really just from our area, I guess. Okay. Shmelly24, adding you to the stage. If anyone else wants to ask a question for Matt, uh, feel free to raise your hand and I'll, I'll promote you to the stage so you can do that. Yeah, I think it's great to see, while well, we wait for him to join us, I think it's great to see larger businesses start to do that, right? That's what we need for mainstream adoption. Um, I, I just hope that they, they move forward, like, I don't know, sincerely and carefully. Uh, Walmart just announced that it's trying to do its own NFT play. So, you know, it's going to take larger brands like that to make it happen. I just, I, if I have to pay for, like, I don't know, like an arrow in Zelda, I might stop playing Zelda. Yeah,
1: yeah. Unless there might be, um, but like, would you really want to own the arrow? Would you want to be the owner
0: of that arrow? Mm-hmm. Like, would you want to have it in your wallet if you were to play it? Yeah, I guess not. I guess it depends on, on what it is that, that the actual NFT is.
1: Say you could, um, say an arrow would probably be a bit too much, but like an arrow back of sixty four for like. Well, it's it's a multi. So Zelda, all of a sudden, is a multiplayer game. You get sixty four arrows for uh, ten cents. But if you kill another player, you take all their loot, and that loot you can trade on a on another marketplace, and you can sell it to people for a dollar if you successfully take someone else their loot. Like I think that that gives it more of an incentive to pay for the arrows
0: yeah it does it actually makes it higher stakes too right like if your items have have real world value you don't want to lose them i consider that like as in as in the the aspect of it being like i get people want to be be putting their art secure um and want to have the actual digital ownership over their art by putting it on a ledger or treasure or whatever gold wallet Mm -hmm. or even just a regular wallet but about like in-game items, I don't know. There is definitely a market for it. It's just um, me personally. I do not really mind it being too centralized for these small, small items. But like in-game skins, I would probably wanna. I would probably wanna have digital ownership over. Like if I look at Counter Strike,
1: all of my skins that I own, which is like a few thousand dollars at the moment, I recently sold all of them off because I wasn't playing the game too much. I was like. I'm um, I mean just sell them for crypto and hold that. because um, <laughs> that is uh is not centralized. But like the, the counter-strike inventory is very centralized, it's owned by Valve. Mm-hmm. They can do whatever they want to it at any given time. I don't know if you've heard about what, what happened to Player Battlegrounds, but um there were there were um player is like this 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 uh, Battle Royale game mm-hmm. which had tradable items. And these items were being traded on all various, various websites like gambling sites, uh, trading websites. They're being bought and sold on secondary markets. And all of a sudden Valve decided to, um, to, to smash the ban hammer and they, they completely banned all of G items, which is a, a billion dollars worth of items. They're all gone. So kind of scary here if you're investing in stuff like that and you don't actually own it. Is it's owned by a centralized place. It's the same thing as like holding all your cryptocurrency on a centralized, um, like on a Coinbase or a Binance. If you hold it on there, it's not really yours. Right. It's just the numbers in your account. It's not <laughs> actually your crypto.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very true. It can either be taken or frozen or hacked. Yeah, I-
1: I recently had um thirty thousand dollars stolen off me because I wasn't uh I wasn't secure enough at my Coinbase. Mm-hmm. That sucks, but it is uh it is a lesson I had to learn. And
2: uh <laughs> it is a very expensive one. But it just uh, goes to show that nothing you own that you actually have on a cold wallet is
1: yours.
0: Yeah, I think that's that's gonna be a sticking point moving forward, is like teaching people what it means like all the the gotchas and considers for having a wallet right like digital ownership like I, I have nfts for my new book and I was working with the publisher he sent me a couple and I had just created a wallet for it so I created a secondary address because I wanted two different sets and because I was doing a bunch of things like I didn't really commit the password to memory like I have the the, the C phrase that committed to memory but or not to memory but I have copies that I didn't I assumed I would remember the password and that didn't. So then I had to basically like restore, recover the account and the secondary addresses aren't recovered. I, and, and it says it in plain text, like in smaller text inside of the Bray wallet, but I, I just wasn't paying attention because I was just trying to do it really quickly, send out the address and go do like two or three other things. So like now I've got these, I effectively burned the NFTs because I sent them to a dead address. Like I can't get the, the access to the wallet.
1: Yeah, that's really annoying. But you learn from it, you don't do
0: that twice. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So I, I just, I'm concerned about that because like I remember a huge trend of like scams with the internet where, you know, people who are not just that familiar with the internet get like requests for their passwords. Um, You know, even my mom got a text message last week from someone claiming to be with Netflix asking for her email address. So like imagine yeah. that times, I don't know, like, a factor of 10 in in yeah. the crypto space
1: yeah it's, it's crazy the amount of emails that i get that are fake is, is is insane and it's actually something that i
2: fell for which was a fake sponsorship
1: um funnily enough this has to do with 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 um with with a game they call battlegrounds it is not affiliated to PUBG, mm-hmm. but um to play on battlegrounds but it was a fake email promoting this game and i took the sponsorship deal but it was like before i'm taking it i want to Try out the game. It looked all legit. They had done promotions with other YouTubers and I downloaded the game. It, it appeared to be a rat. Three days later, I get an email, uh, actually a uh, phone notification saying, your Coinbase password changed. If this wasn't you. click here. I'm all freaked out. I, f- I feel like I just uh, jumped off a building. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but um, that's how it felt. Like just so scared. Like yeah. It just felt crazy. Um. Well, you learn from me, you don't click links ever.
0: You don't do it. <laughs> That's just the rule. Just don't click links. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Rule number one of, of crypto, don't click links. Yeah, so definitely I think like items should be should be more like from games items should be more centralized and you should be having the actual ownership over them. But
1: uh, it can also be like people are pretty dumb sometimes. Like you can, you can lose that very quickly if you are the actual owner and someone isn't the bank for you like that's also a little trade-off because you have to be secure with your own stuff now
0: yeah i think i've had like five wallets now maybe more like over you know it's not a lot over 10 years but like i only have one physical wallet on me because i I always think like oh i'm definitely not going to lose this and then i lose yeah yeah exactly It's a lot of responsibility yeah i I wouldn't be too happy if i lost my wallet i can only let that happen once it happened once and then never happen again i can't uh can't do that again they got to be very secure
2: with that stuff yeah i think um yeah what we're talking about like the the bigger corporations like taking that leap into the
1: quote-unquote metaverse I think it's great. I think it's where we're headed more and more companies are kind of like getting into NFTs, kind of showing their audience, like even McDonald's did a, a little NFT thing. Like I saw Adidas did something with, with the poor Age now, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of small pieces, uh, small pieces coming together that are eventually like, everybody's
0: getting more and more used to it. How do you help people in your immediate network? Like warm up to the idea of cryptos and NFTs in general, and then also in games, obviously you have your own company. And and I would imagine that's, that's gotta be something that you're thinking about.
1: How do I, people in my surroundings, how do I?
0: Yeah. How do you, how do you like help them onboard or, or I guess, socialize the idea, like get them comfortable with like wanting to, to embrace NFTs and and crypto and, and especially that in games, since you're building your own NFT, like blockchain gaming company. Yeah,
1: so first of all, like I kind of live online, I don't really don't really have too many people around me, IRL, but the people that I do introduce to it, I, I find it pretty easy to explain for myself, which is the idea of just um, say you have a key to a house, you own that house. But if you're online, you own technically, you own nothing. Mm-hmm. So how does it work? So there's this network where everybody can see transactions and everybody agrees that this transaction is real, AKA the blockchain, your key is stored on there and everybody can see that you're the owner. This proves that this is real and you can see where it's been before, where it's going in the future. And if your address is linked to its current ownership, everybody knows you're the owner. So if this is linked to a online piece of material online piece of art, Everybody can verify you're the owner. It comes from this address. So it comes from the original creator. That basically means that you're the official owner. And uh, a lot of people, I don't even want to bother with it because a lot of people are just right click savers. And I don't even want to, honestly, I don't want to waste my time talking to them. <laughs> right. But they're they're going to find out eventually and they're going to be too late. It's going to be the same people buying Bitcoin at 65K and selling at
2: 50K and buying it again at 100K. <laughs> selling at eighty k, like some people can't be helped, and I don't want to waste my time. But the people that do listen and they ask me, I sit down and I
1: I tell them exactly what I know.
0: Yeah, I think I need to get to that place too. Is that you know you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make to the well. But you can't make them drink water uh, exactly. because I, I've been spinning my wheels with, with some folks just repeatedly over the years. Um, I I got a question in from Duane on LinkedIn. It says, do you believe the general public recognizes NFTs as scam or unethical? Oh, man, 100 percent, because if you look at it, there's so many, so many um, projects that make so much money. They're they're here in a week and they're gone the next and they just exited like five million. It happens so much and you hear so much about it. And the easiest scams are found in cryptocurrency. So mm-hmm. it's easily to be overlooked that
1: there's also a lot of positive things about it. And honestly, those scams are usually quite obvious. Mm-hmm. I must say that scammers are getting a little bit more smart with it. But scams are usually pretty easy to find. And I think those people that do end up getting scanned, as much as I think it sucks for them, it is a big lesson for them to do more proper research into something, you know?
0: Yeah. That's, that's one of the mantras, right? Do your own research. D Y O R. D Y O R. Uh, yes, sir. And you're right. Like sometimes you just have to learn that lesson the hard way because that's the only way it will stick. Like I, I will never again send out a secondary wallet address. Yeah. Yeah, yeah
1: exactly. No, but like the, the objection of, of NFTs being closely linked to scamming is true. There's a lot of easy money cash grabs out there. And scams could even be defined as as a project
2: even being legit. There are so many projects that are legit. They You buy for uh, like 0.1 Ethereum, the price goes up to 0.3 Ethereum. And then over the course of three months, the price slowly dips back to 0.05 Ethereum and the people that
1: held on to it, thinking the project was legit, still get, you know, they're still left with nothing. So that's also considered a, a slow scam in my opinion, like false promises, even though the price went up. But again, it's up to those people
2: to get out when they're comfortable with it. You make it 3x on your investment. I'm not your financial advisor, but hey that's pretty good money to me. Sometimes you <laughs> have to take your profits too. Yeah. You can't always say things like obvious, the, the obvious belief in scams being like, oh, we take your money and we're gone. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are messed up. But the scams that
1: involve the, the, um, what I just described of it being super slow mm-hmm. and the developers of the project promising and promising never delivering, I think that's messed up.
0: Right. Yeah. Like a slow death. They call them, a And startups like the zombies, like the walking dead, basically.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't like those at all. I think those are even worse. (laughs) Like a death by a thousand
0: cuts. Right. Hopefully we'll we'll see more NFT games. And and obviously, Frog Party is going to be a leader in this space as well um show up so that people can understand the value of it Uh, you know you're a gamer so you're building it from both the perspective of someone who is an entrepreneur and someone who's a gamer and someone who's in the nft space and I i don't think we have that for all of the games that are in the nft space right now unfortunately yeah yeah exactly
1: it's also very important to mention that in solana we were actually one of the first games to come out with a um a game demo before we we uh, release our minting a lot of projects they just ask for money by by releasing their mint and they're promising a game but they're never coming through with it we were like you know what we're going to release a demo version of our social mmo people could walk in there um select a frog they wanted to play with and they pick their name and they can just interact You will walk around chat do some quests and actually get a feeling of what we're going to deliver in the full version of the game um I think that is so important to actually show
0: people you're capable of delivering before making them buy into something. That's important too, for sure. I I backed, um, my brother and I backed about 300 indie games on Kickstarter over the last several years. And, you know, at that volume, like some of those did exactly what you suggested. Like, and and that's that's poor on us for not having enough um, discernment for where we we put our money but you know i think at that scale you're going to kind of have that happen once or twice but i've had you know developers who just had like not even demos just like gifs right from the game and for example one of them was like hey we're gonna have this awesome like 2d side scrolling like you're gonna be a reaper it's gonna be so awesome and then like six months in after they had raised their money like you know what we're gonna make a 3d game and everybody was pissed because they said, like, we gave you a money to make 2D game. We don't want a 3D game. If we wanted a 3D game, we would go put money into a 3D game. Yeah, <laughs> that's just,
1: yeah, that's very blatant. That's a blatant fuck you to
0: the community. To it come. is. It is. Well, thank you for your time today, Matt. Uh, if anyone else has any questions you want to get those asked right before we wrap up here, please raise your hand. In the meantime, Matt, can you let people know where they can find you, where they can support you, Anything, Any major announcements you want to make about your game or, or just any kind of general things you want to share, feel free to do that.
1: For sure. So my YouTube channel is MattCS, M-A-T-T-C-S. My socials are MattCS. You're probably wondering where that name comes from. But the socials were taken from MattCS. So I thought, hey, CS sounds like CS. Funny. I make <laughs> it. <laughs> my project, uh, my NFT project is Frog Party. The website is frog.party. Pretty unique domain. You can play the demo. We're releasing an updated demo version in, let's see, three days? Yeah, three days from now, two days. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's so much fun. I suggest just checking it out. Let me know what you think about it. Thank you for having me, Marcus.
0: Thank you. If you, you end up with like, a I don't know, like a one or two minute trailer or like some highlight reels, send it my way. Be glad to share that on LinkedIn. I, I'm doing the same thing, like trying to educate people about what NFC games and blockchain games are. And I think the best way to do that is to show examples of games so people can see, like, yeah. these are actual games. These are not just like, like back of the napkin ideas.
1: For sure. I can send you some stuff over.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us on Discord and on LinkedIn. This is episode six of the Gamify Everything podcast. We'll have another episode tomorrow. I actually won't be hosting tomorrow's episode because it's going to be at 2:30 in the morning tomorrow. Uh, so Chris Smith from Big Esports will be uh, I have to remember who he's, our guest is. Sorry if you me just a second. Uh Midbeast. Midbeast. We'll, we'll be interviewing MidBeast tomorrow at 2:30 a.m. Um, Eastern Standard Time, I want to say that's 5.30 p.m. Australian time. So uh, check back here on Discord for that information. And then we'll have this video from today's episode up on YouTube. Thank you all for your time. We'll see you again soon.